Why do you want to fight? This is the fight game with Demond Cotton. Hello, hello, and welcome to another edition of the fight game on 1230 the game i am your host damon cotton and i said each and every week there's so much to talk about in the world of combat sports so let's just chop right into it joining us today on the show we're going to be talking to michael chandler he's going to be fighting dustin poirier at ufc 281 but guess what it doesn't just stop there we're also going to be talking to dustin poirier get the perspective of both fighters ahead of that big clash at ufc 281 now this was just one of those fights that hey it's bound to happen you got two guys that are gonna bang dustin poirier his star has been rising you know he had a busy 2021 beat conor mcgregor twice and also lost to charles Oliveira in a title fight but i mean you beat McGregor twice, and then that second time with his leg snapping in half, he might be the guy who retires Conor McGregor because I don't know when we're going to see him in an octagon again. And then we're going to be talking to RJ Clifford from Sirius XM Radio and the UFC, host of the Autumn Windbags podcast. I mean, the guy does it all. We're going to be talking to RJ, and we're going to be breaking down that UFC 281 card. But I've got to talk about the biggest event in combat sports this past weekend. WWE crown jewel and it was a spectacular event. I'll, I'll go on record and say this has been WWE's best Saudi event that they've put on so far out of the gates. Bobby Lashley, Brock Lesnar kicking off the show. So you know what that means. Brock said, keep my plane running because Brock Lesnar, you know, he doesn't get paid by the hour goes out there. Bobby Lashley almost dominates him in a way that you haven't seen before. I mean, Brock doesn't get dominated like this too often, but Bobby Lashley, hey, he's a different breed. Doesn't want to let go of the hurt lock. Brock Lesnar somehow gets the pin. And just like that, Brock Lesnar wins, but Bobby Lashley, he may be turning into a different person. He may be a different animal in the same beast because he goes on the jump and he says, hey man, he's tired of being the nice guy. You know what? So if he's tired of being the nice guy, I say, let's just bring back the hurt business. What are we waiting for? Sheldon Benjamin, he gets a shot on Monday Night Raw. He wants to prove something to the young guys in the locker room, why he's been around for 20-plus years. MVP, he's still with almost. We'll get to him later as he had his match at Crown Jewel as well. Cedric Alexander, what's he doing? I'm just saying, I know we've already seen it before, but I want to see it once again. Put the Hurt Business back together. That's what I'm asking for, WWE. I want to see Bobby Lashley in the Hurt Business with a full arena so they can play to the crowd. It was one of the best things that WWE had going during the pandemic. But I want to see a little bit more of the Hurt Business and Bobby Lashley because, hey, man, it wasn't broke when they broke them up. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Put the group back together. And, yeah. That's what I really want to see. But this crown jewel card, so many things to talk about. Bianca Belair. I mean, we've got so much to get to today. So I got to run through this card quick, fast, and in a hurry. Bianca Belair and Bailey. You know, it's the number two match of the night because nothing's going to be able to top that main event. But a uh, last man standing match, a last person standing match, Bianca and Bailey, they really did everything. The golf cart spot, I was into it. Putting. Bianca almost in the um in the luggage cart or in the in the stage prop. Hey man, really just couldn't keep her down. And I know the internet's been making the jokes. She's Jane Cena. And I, I I've got to agree with that now. She's on that Cena level of I don't know who's gonna beat her for that raw women's title. Maybe Charlotte's gonna come back. Maybe we finally see Naomi and Sasha come back. But Bianca Belair is on a whole 
another level when it comes to her dominance in the women's division. And credit to Bailey, credit to Becky Lynch for being able to continuously put her over. The storylines with damage control, it's not getting stale at all. We're going to see what happens when the further evolution of this storyline happens at Survivor Series War Games. So credit to Bailey for making Bianca look like a hundred bucks, selling and selling and selling, selling her ass off. I mean, the spots with the ladder, incredible. Bailey, Bianca, I love where this feud's going and I want more of it. So let's just go ahead and talk about the main event. Logan Paul, he's got the goods. Logan Paul's got the goods, the main event with Roman Reigns. And you go into it, hey, I remember talking to Roman Reigns at the press conference at Mad Dog here in Vegas about, hey, man, what's this fight going to look like, Crown Jewel, Logan Paul? And, you know, he put him over a little bit, gave him his respect in the moment. But then it's just, why is everybody talking about Logan Paul getting that one good lucky shot on Roman Reigns when they should be talking about Roman Reigns knocking Logan Paul out? And I, it could have been a 30-second squash. I don't know. But WWE, they did it again. Had me hanging on the edge of my seat. Now, I knew that there was never going to be a change of the title because, come on, they can't put the WWE title on Logan Paul. But boy, were they close. Some of those close to threes. Roman Reigns is one of the best in the business at kick it out at 2.95, where it's just like, man, I thought I maybe, maybe the ref could have slipped up and slapped the mat too fast, and Logan Paul's the WWE Universal Champion. But man, Logan Paul did it all. I mean, the buckshot lariat, that's Logan Paul's move now. Uh, one of my trainers, Sin Bodhi, would say to me, hey, if someone takes your move, but they're more over, it's their move now. Adam Page, sorry, buddy. CM Punk couldn't even pull it off. The buckshot lariat, it's Logan Paul's move now. A picture-perfect frog splash to Roman Reigns. Not only from the frog splash in the ring that he delivered, but also going viral, one of WWE's... Highest viewed clips on social media this year. Logan Paul taking the phone, giving, delivering the frog splash outside of the ring to Roman Reigns. And then you get the problem. Jake Paul. Jake Paul comes out. And for everybody that says, hey, man, his fights are fixed. No, they're not. Because I've seen him throw a, his working punch is terrible. Those punches that he gave to the Usos looked god awful but you know that he can punch for real so jake paul also coming out i loved every second of it even getting the cast the crew from logan paul's podcast impulsive on you know these guys also not workers the bumps that they took looked horrific but you need that set up so jake paul can come out and make the save and then you got jake paul and my boy solo standing face to face i'm not i know that wwe isn't going to do this because now that we know that logan paul suffered an acl potential ACL injury, but give me Solo Sokoa, Jake Paul. Let me, I'll, I'll, I'll pay for that. I'll watch that on pay-per-view. Put those guys in a war games match. Both Paul brothers, give them three other guys against the bloodline. Cause who else is the bloodline going to face at war games? I have no idea. But one thing that I did want to mention from Logan Paul, this guy, he's obviously a star in WWE. I mentioned his Frog Splash selfie video, one of the most viewed videos for the WWE this entire year. And I knew it was big. I was talking to my eight-year-old brother, and he's giving me the rundown of what Jake, excuse me, of what Logan Paul did to Roman Reigns because he said, I saw it on TikTok. So I'm going to play for you a little bit 
of an eight-year-old's description of what happened at WWE Crown Jewel with Logan Paul in his frog splash to Roman Reigns. So, Logan Paul, he got some people prime, and then he put it back, and then he got a dude's phone, and the dude said yes, and then Logan Paul got top, on top of something, and then Logan, I mean, not Logan Paul, Roman Reigns was laying down on something, and then Logan Paul jumped off the thing and broke the table, then Logan Paul tore his ACL. There you go. And that's an eight-year-old who didn't watch the full show, but you want to know where he saw it? On TikTok. That goes to show you Logan Paul's star power with the WWE, getting those fans that probably they weren't going to be tuning in on Peacock, but they know who Logan Paul is, and they're going to watch. So, yes, thank you to Spencer there for his on-site report on what he saw for Logan Paul to tear his ACL. Man, WWE Crown Jewel, keep giving me the spectacle. I know people want to see, oh, where's the storyline? Give me that real wrestling. Give me give me work rate. No, no, no. Give me skeptical. I don't care. Give me Karrion Cross and Drew McIntyre in a steel cage. Almost versus Braun Strowman. Was that a good match? No, but it was the immovable object, the irresistible force. I love a big hoss fight. So WWE, they're not missing the Usos, the work that they did with the Brawling Brutes. I know they're going to be taking on the New Day and that's going to be, hey, they're going to be battling it out to see who's the best tag team of all time in my eyes. But after that, I would love to see the Usos get back to work with the Brawling Brutes if they can get past the New Day and retain those titles and be the longest reigning tag team champions in WWE history. I mean, it all writes itself. And the big dog, the tribal chief, remains on top. And when we come back, we're going to be jumping into the world of UFC as UFC 281 is going to be taking place in Madison Square Garden this Saturday night. And we're going to kick things off with Michael Chandler. Don't go anywhere. This is The Fight Game on 1230 The Game. Welcome back to The Fight Game with Demont Cotton. I'm pleased to introduce my next guest here on The Fight Game, Michael Chandler. And you're going to be able to watch him at UFC 281 this Saturday, taking on Dustin Poirier in the Mecca, the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden. This fight, the, how it came about, you coming off arguably the knockout of the year of Tony Ferguson. How excited were you to get back in the octagon again for this fight against Dustin Poirier? Man, every, uh, well, number one, thanks for having me. Um, I, uh, man, I'm just, I'm just so excited. I'm so excited about every opportunity that I have here in the UFC. Um, you know, people ask me how I stay motivated, how I stay, stay so uh, focused and on course. It's pretty easy for me because I truly have had two careers. I had one career outside the UFC, and now a brand new career um, in the UFC now. And it's just the platform is huge. The lights are brighter. The eyeballs are aplenty. And, man, when you get the opportunity to come off of knockout of the year, hopefully, um, and then go fight a guy at Madison Square Garden, the world's most iconic arena right here in New York City. Fight a guy who's probably the most decorated in the entire UFC lightweight history, uh, division right now. Um, and it's, uh, it's going to be awesome to, to get my hand raised and then uh, stake my claim as the guy who deserves the next title shot. Yeah, you mentioned the next title shot, and I'm already looking at this fight as it could be a number one contender fight. You and Dustin here, are you looking at it as well? Hey, you win this fight, the title should be next for you. I am. It definitely could be. You know, obviously, uh, the UFC knows uh, the UFC knows what's best for the organization and, and um, what's best for the big fights that make the most sense. I believe um, I've staken my claim as one of the most exciting guys, one of the must see TV guy that keeps keeps people on the edge of their seat when I am fighting. 
and I have uh, the skills to boot. So I think, I think um, beating Dustin Poirier is definitely, when you look at my strength of schedule, yes, maybe I have a couple losses, but I've lost only guys who were in the top three, top four in the entire world. Um, compare that to other guys' resumes, I think I, I could stake my claim with a win over Dustin Poirier as the guy who is the number one contender, the guy who does have to challenge Islam. I think I'm the best wrestler in the division by far. I do think Islam's first title defense needs to be against a legitimate lightweight, not uh, the Volkanovsky, who would be uh, 15 pounds, 20 pounds lighter than Islam. Uh, but that's just me speaking. You know, like I said, the powers that be in the UFC, they know what they're doing. They know how to make big fights. Uh, but I believe with my performance on Saturday night, people will say, we want to see that guy fight for the title. Again, we're talking to Michael Chandler here on The Fight Game, and you mentioned being an exciting fighter. In your short UFC career, you've already made that name for yourself. I mean, you've had performance bonuses in half, in more than half of your UFC fights. So what goes into your training mindset when it comes to, hey, I'm going to be an exciting fighter, but also fighting smart? You know, I just focus 90% on myself and then 10% on, on my opponent when I'm, when I'm going through my preparations. Um, I do only know one speed. I haven't seen a brake pedal my entire uh, my entire career, I'm always put on the gas. I'm always in your face. I'm always putting pressure on you. I'm always making you second-guess yourself. And ultimately, I am always want to back you up and put you on your back foot and take you out of your game. Now, it's uh, worked out well for me a lot. Um, it's, it's been my detriment here and there. Um, but I, I believe that I will put together and string together a perfect performance on Saturday night. Uh, I am mentally built up. I am spiritually built up. My heart is full. I'm right where I need to be physically, mentally, and spiritually. Dustin Poirier is a game opponent. He is a salty veteran with a ton of wins under his belt, uh, an interim UFC lightweight title on his resume. And, uh, man, this is just an awesome opportunity. And I think it's the right time for me to fight Dustin, the wrong time for him to fight me. And <laughs> we're going to win that title in 2023. All right, and you mentioned this is the right time for you to fight, Dustin. This fight has been a while in the making. Now, I know that there was some supposed beef, but I feel like when it comes to fighters, you've got to have a little chip on your shoulder for everyone that's in your division because, hey, this isn't ballet, as they would say. But how do you feel like that relationship with Dustin has grown or, you know, just evolved in the promotion for this fight? Well, you know, yeah, we're, we're just two guys trying to climb the same mountain, and each of us are in, the, in each other's way. Um, that's, just how, that's just the nature of the game. It's nothing personal. I think Dustin Poirier is a phenomenal man outside the octagon, phenomenal fighter inside of the octagon. And, uh, you know, for me, I, I don't want to make this personal. It doesn't work out well for me to make it personal. I am even keel. I am cool as a cucumber. I am ice cold, and I am ready to go out there. And I don't want to put on fight of the night. I want to put on performance of the night. I want to go out there and finish Dustin Poirier in dominant fashion. I want to hop on the mic in typical Michael Chandler fashion, light the roof, light Madison Square Garden on fire, blow off the roof, and have everybody saying that's the guy we want to win, the, fight for the title and win the title. Because I think, uh, you know, we, we've had our exchanges in the past, but now it's just all business. Now it's making weight. Now it's stepping inside the octagon. And now it's strapping on the gloves, biting down on the mouthpiece, and doing what we do best. You mentioned again performance of the night in your first UFC fight and that win over Hooker. You hit the most beautiful backflip off the top of the cage. When it comes into like those celebrations, because obviously you're going in and you're thinking about the win, do you also think about, hey, when am I going to do the celebration after the fight? I do. I've, uh, you know, I, I got my, uh, I know, I know kind of what I'm going to say on the mic, and I know I'm going to hit some backflips, 
Um, so we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll see. You know, obviously backflips usually come after a finish. If it's not a finish, I'll probably still hit, hit Madison Square Garden with the backflip just so we can keep it for the highlight reels uh, in the buildup to the, to the UFC lightweight title fight that I'm going to be in in early 2023 against Islam Mahachev. All right, and you keep mentioning Islam, the new champion at 155 in the UFC. How do you think a fight, a potential fight, would like could play out? What do you see the matchup being? Could you, if you could break down a future opponent? I'm not saying look past Dustin, but if, if you could break down that future fight for the lightweight title. Islam is exactly who he said he was, man, and uh, I stand corrected with my criticism of him. Um, I do stand firm that that he hadn't fought anybody inside the top five. He wasn't battle tested yet. But by going out there and finishing Charles Oliveira, that is a huge statement. He is our champion, and I do want to challenge him. Now, when it comes to the technical breakdown of everything, we know Islam likes to press forward. He likes to pick guys up, put them down, and control them and beat them up on the ground. He's got great submissions, great ground and pound. Uh, but I think I'm a Division One wrestler. I think I am the best wrestler in the division. I think my Good old-fashioned, passionate American D1 wrestling beats his Dagestani Sambo, his Dagestani grappling um, every day and twice on Sunday. Now, that's just my, my confidence speaking, um, and I, but I would love to compete against him. I have a ton of respect for him. I think the UFC will see um, on Saturday night uh, how dominant I can be against the top lightweights in the world. I get my hand raised, and, and then, uh, man, I think uh, – I think I, I think I've got Islam's number. I, I do think so. Um, tough opponent, very very game opponent. Ton of respect for him. But this is the fight game. This is this is what gets us up early in the morning, and this is what uh, this is what makes us train so hard. I want to fight Islam. I want to win that belt, and I will be champion in 2023. All right, Michael. Thank you so much for your time. I only got a couple more questions for you before I let you go. I know you're on a busy schedule, but you still train in the wrestling singlet. Do you think that people sometimes sleep on your wrestling ability? They do, actually, uh, but, uh, you know, that's only because I haven't shown it a ton, you know. Um, I like to knock people out. I like to hit them hard. I think people know I'm fast and strong and powerful, and I have a lot of speed, but they don't quite know it until they, they actually step in the octagon with me and realize, holy cow, okay, this guy's faster, stronger, and bigger than I thought. And uh, so I like to take advantage of that, um, and a lot of times that comes with hands and not wrestling. But I've got the wrestling pedigree. I constantly train my wrestling both in the open and on the wall, take down offense, take down defense. Uh, I'm right where I need to be physically in the wrestling department. So uh, I hope Islam can, can uh, stand up to that whenever we fight. So we'll, uh, we'll see early next year, but uh, you might even see glimpses of it on Saturday night. We'll see how the fight progresses. All right, last thing I want to ask you about is you're a great fighter inside the octagon, but you're an even better person outside of the cage and with a beautiful family. How much does it go into building up the, not persona, but showing the fans and the people that how good of a person that you can be outside of the cage? Well, thank you for that. I, uh, I, uh, you know, I think I know I got a lot of work to do. I got a lot of, a lot of work to do on, on becoming the man that God really has created me to be. Um, but I can tell you this, um, I just, I love my family. I love, uh, I love serving them. And I also am trying to make good on my promise to myself that I made in the very beginning of this, this career that I was going to set out to change the perception of what a mixed martial artist is. I think mixed martial artists can get uh, looked at in a negative light sometimes because we go into a cage and we bleed and we knock people out and we choke people out and we break limbs and we're so violent. We look so violent. But 
I live with extreme joy and gratitude and humility and happiness on one end of the spectrum, and then extreme crazy tenacity and violence on the other end of the spectrum when I step inside the octagon. And somewhere in, in between is uh, the true me. You know, I think I'm one thing, one man to you and my wife and my family and my friends and my closest of kin, and then I'm a completely other person to, uh, to the, the spectacles that we put on inside the UFC octagon. And um, God's given me some great gifts and man, I'm just, I'm living a dream and I appreciate that sentiment. I appreciate, uh, the kind words, but I got a lot of work to do and I'm going to keep on getting better. All right. Continue living the dream, brother. Thank you so much for joining me here on the fight game. Michael Chandler, everybody. Thank you. Like I said, great fighter, even better person, Michael Chandler. And you're going to be able to check him out at UFC 281 as he's going to be taking on Dustin Poirier. And when we get back, we're going to be talking to Dustin Poirier here on the fight game on 1230, the game. Welcome back to The Fight Game with Damon Cotton. I'm pleased to introduce my next guest here on The Fight Game, Dustin Poirier. And he's going to be fighting Michael Chandler this Saturday at UFC 281 in the Mecca, Madison Square Garden. Let's get straight into it, Dustin. I know that it's been a long layoff for you since your last fight. You were booked and busy in 2021. How has this layoff been for you? Uh, at first, it was a little, uh, you know, I was antsy at first. I was trying to get a fight. I wanted to get back in there soon as possible and then life happens and you get into the groove of things and it's been good you know it's been a good step away still in the gym every day working with fighters getting better working on my skill set but uh you know it brought back the hunger yeah and michael chandler you guys are going to be fighting this saturday ufc 281 how excited for you are how excited are you for this fight i mean very excited he's a first of all we're in madison square garden and uh, my opponent is very dangerous very game opponent so this fight is going to be insane you know that that excites me yeah, and this is one of those guys where he's going to come in guns blazing. We know that. So how are you preparing for this fight? Because you have some of the best stand-up in the division. But what kind of challenges does Michael Chandler present for you? You know, he has great wrestling. He has a lot of high-level experience. He's very explosive, and, and everything he does with, is with all of his power. You know, he's very powerful. So I just got to go in there and be the matador. All right, Olay, and you, um, you've, had, you've been to the top of the mountain in the lightweight division in your UFC career. You've been in it for almost 10-plus years now, right? But how do you still get up for these big fights? Because when you've been fighting for titles, I mean, the Conor fights, obviously the big money fights, how do you still get prepared and amped up for the fights? Because I know what the guy's planning on doing to me, you know? <laughs> and I know I'm, I'm uh, leaving a legacy behind, and um, fighting still excites me. You mentioned your legacy. How do you see your legacy so far in the UFC, and what, what is left for you? Obviously winning the title, but to achieve in the UFC. I want to be the Undisputed World Champion. You know, I've done some great things in my career, beat a lot of former champions, current champions, but there's still more to do. You know, I'm not done yet. Yeah, you're not done yet here in the UFC, and we're talking to Dustin Poirier, ahead of UFC 281. So you're always evolving as a fighter. What have you been working on for yourself, and what have you been sharpening up in your tool belt in head, ahead of this fight? You know, my jiu-jitsu, my wrestling, uh, my kickboxing, pretty much everything, you know, honestly, mm -hmm. everything. But uh, my patience and defense and, and taking my time, that, that's what I've been really focusing on. When you say taking your time and your patience, um, how does that – how will you be able to translate that from training? You know, obviously it's going to be a you, – you've had a very hard camp up until this point, but actually translating that into the cage, where will we see some of that patience actually be on display? From the opening bell. You know, setting up my shots, making him miss. Um, just like we said, being the matador, you know, um, 
staying technical, not not getting out of my element, not brawling and trying to hurt this guy because I'll hurt him with technique. All right, I like that. Hurt him with technique. And then also this fight with Michael Chandler, you guys are obviously at the top of the lightweight division. Do you see this as a number one contender fight? With a new champion um, who neither me or Michael have fought, this could be the number one contender fight. We'll see, man. The division's always so top-heavy. There's always so many great fighters at lightweight. And uh, we'll see what happens. I don't look too far ahead. All right, you don't look too far ahead, and I'm not going to try to prognosticate what happens if that, because like you said, you want to stay in the moment here with Michael Chandler. And I know that there was like some beef, but I don't really consider it beef when you got two guys in the same division because, hey, man, you guys are fighting. This isn't ballet. I mean, you got to go in there and, you know, duke it out. But what's that relationship been like with Michael Chandler now that you guys have had this build for this fight? I don't know. I, I, I haven't really, you know, I don't speak to the guy. I don't know him personally. <laughs> yeah. It's whatever. Um it, it is what it is. We're going to fight on Saturday, you know? Yeah, all right. But, yeah, like, no no bad blood, though. That's all. That's, that's what I was getting at, man. And one of the things nah, that— It's all yeah. good. Let's just fight, you know? Exactly. And one of the things I do want to talk to you about, because you're a great fighter inside the octagon, but some of the stuff that you do outside of the cage, and I want to talk to you about the Good Fight Foundation and what you guys got going on. It's like um, the giveaways that you're going to be doing for the lead-up for Thanksgiving. Yeah, we're doing 500 full meals, so a ham, uh, a big baking pan, greens, bread rolls, first come, first serve um, for 500 families. And then we're also linking it to a Christmas school for uh, the Hub Women and Children's Shelter in Lafayette, Louisiana. We're going to buy every child their Christmas presents. Um, yeah, so we're, we're doing like a double, a double uh, goal this fight. All right, and I mean, the good news just keeps coming from you. We also got the announcement of Poirier Hot Sauce being the official hot sauce partner with the UFC. What can you tell me about that? That's been a, uh, a long time coming. You know, we've been negotiating with the UFC, trying to get the deal done. We just launched our third sauce this week, and the timing was, was perfect with the, with the fight in Madison Square Garden. And we, we signed a long-term deal to be the official hot sauce of the UFC. Man, I'm, I'm excited. It's moving fast. You know, the sauce has been around about two years now. And we're really making moves, and it's growing. All right, and you got the hot sauce. I got to ask you, what's your favorite thing to put hot sauce on? Man, uh, <laughs> for sure, eggs. I mean, the start of the day, you got to have hot sauce with eggs. Hot sauce with eggs, man. I'm not too not too usual, but all right, I I, I feel it. I feel it. I'm, I, I guess what you, I get down with that. All right, and then <laughs> man, you got the businesses all over, man. We talk about the hot sauce, the official hot sauce of the UFC, but I also see you got the rare stash going on, getting into the uh, spirits brand. What can you tell me about rare stash? Yeah, so <clears throat> I had a couple of different opportunities to 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 get linked up and and be the face of different alcohols over the over the last few years, and. Um, you know, I, I drink bourbon. So when these guys came to me with an idea of getting rare lots of bourbon and, and finding barrels that are uh, limited and launching different releases that are going to be, each bottle is going to be, or each run is going to be separate, you know. So run number one is going to be different from two because we're using different barrels um, aged at different times. It was just interesting to me to have like a collector's bourbon out there that's very limited. All right, Dustin, thank you so much for joining me. I only got a few more questions for you, man, because it is a blast. And I know, you got, I know you're busy. I know you're booked and busy, and you're looking forward to Saturday. But how are your Saints doing this year? What do you think about the Saints? Bro, <laughs> uh, that's a tough one, man. That's a tough one. I, I think we have a lot of talent. We just haven't, haven't been putting it together too well. I will tell you this. My other job outside of this is I work for Raider Nation Radio, and the beating that the Saints put on the Raiders, it really had the whole nation deflated. So I'll give you guys that one at least. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much for joining me, Dustin. Before I let you go, man, anything that you want to tell the people before you get out of here? Tune in Saturday night. It's going down. You're going to see two of the best in the world. Leave it out there. All right, Dustin Poirier, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, bro. And that was Dustin Poirier. And like he said, you can check him out this Saturday, UFC 281, as he's going to be taking on Michael Chandler. For for my money, it should be a number one contender fight at lightweight in the UFC division. Don't go anywhere. This is the fight game on 1230 The Game. Welcome back to the fight game with Iman Cotton. And welcome back to the fight game here on 1230 The Game. And I'm pleased to introduce my next guest, RJ Clifford. And RJ, UFC 281. I mean, let's not waste any time. Let's just get straight into the main event. Let's start at the top of the card because Israel Adesanya taking on Alex Perea. I mean, the rematch. This is a built-in storyline. I'm a wrestling guy. Now, this is great writing. If the UFC, they couldn't have drawn it up any better. What are your thoughts coming into the fight with the backstory between Adesanya and Perea? So Alex Pereira and Israel Asanya had fought twice before in kickboxing, not mixed martial arts, but in kickboxing. And so um, both times, so Pereira won the first fight by decision, knocked out Israel Asanya the second time they fought. This is the only time that he's been like just flat lying, knocked out unconscious. He has one loss in mixed martial arts, and it was by decision when he went up a weight class. So that's something that Alex Pereira is trying to constantly remind Israel Asanya about, that I laid you out. You forgot where your car keys were for several weeks because of what I did to you. Israel Asanya, on the other hand, is trying to remind Aspaheda that he's the rookie. Uh, Pajeda has only been in the UFC for 369 days. Like he's, he's essentially a rookie in mixed martial arts, uh, even in the UFC. So he's always trying to remind Alex, hey, you don't have these big, goofy gloves anymore. We've got little gloves. We're in a cage. We're not in the ring. I can take you down. I can elbow you. I can submit you. I can do all these other things to you. So they're both the, the, the mind games and combat sports are always a big deal exponentially so in this matchup with their history. Yeah, and then that history, but he has been the only person to knock out Adesanya, and it seems like he's chasing him down. Hey, you leave kickboxing, I'm going to come follow you to the UFC. It's almost a chicken and the egg. I don't think Perea would be here without Adesanya. So how has this build been, and where do you see the mind game factor or just Adesanya having the experience factor being the biggest factor for the fight? Well, that's a, that's a million-dollar question, right? Um, Israel Asanya purely a kickboxer. Like, I don't think he's ever attempted to take down a mixed martial arts. I don't think he cares about mixed martial, uh, the, the mixed part of mixed martial arts. He doesn't want to be on top. doesn't want to be on bottom. He just wants to outstrike you. And so he's going against a even more pure kickboxer like Alex Pajeda is Israel Asanya just off the wrestling shoes and shoot for some takedowns or make this a clinch game or, or go for a submission. Um, that's the, that's the trick here, right? I think that's what so much of this fight depends on because Alex Pajeda can basically be himself. Plod forward, be the better kickboxer. His left hook is one of the most dangerous strikes in all big martial arts. He can knock you out with kicks. He can knock you out with knees. He can knock you out with combination. Israel Adesanya is the one that's going to have to decide what direction I go. I'm not going to dictate where this fight happens. Yeah, it's, it's so... I just don't know how to call it because Israel Adesanya, he's not, he doesn't have the, like the best ground game, but it's got to be better than what Perea's put on film because we haven't seen him have to go to the ground because you mentioned that dominant left hook after the last card up, up in Vegas. Man, I'm really blanking on the actual card number. What was it, 278? The last Vegas one was, was 380. Oh, no. no I'm sorry, two, three, the, 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 Nate, the Nate Diaz uh, 21st. Oh, no. I was, man, now I'm really blanking. Uh, when it was actually. I'm just confusing Ad you more. <laughs> yeah, Adesanya with a uh, with a cannoneer. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 and that was another one where where Israel Adesanya's 
Because Israel Sun is running into this situation where he's given us so many dazzling knockouts, right? The, the first Robert Whitaker fight, the Paulo Costa fight. Um, he, he just dazzled us so many times. And now he's fighting in a way where if his opponent isn't aggressive, Izzy will just counter and point fight you for 25 minutes. And he's, and he's being successful and he's winning and he's staying out of danger and he's, and he's keeping himself healthy, which is the goal. But fans are starting to kind of turn mm-hmm. on him a little bit because of the, the, the fights he's winning, but they haven't been very excited. And so UFC's banking on Israel Asani to be a star. He's headlining International Fight Week in July. He's headlining Madison Square Garden coming up on Saturday. Arguably their two biggest cards every year. Um, and that's partly why they brought uh, Alex Pereira and kind of rushed him into his title fight a little bit because he's, uh, they have the history. He's a believable challenger. Uh, is he starting to lap the division? He's beating basically everybody else. And here's someone who can maybe force Izzy to fight outside of himself and be at risk. Again, we're talking to RJ Clifford, and you can check him out on Sirius XM and also the UFC, man, UFC TV. So I'm not asking you to pick a winner here, but who are you going to give the advantage to? Because it's a million-dollar question. Hey, is is Alex Perea, does he have that advantage in the, the mind games over Israel Adesanya? But for your learned opinion, who are you? Who do you think has the advantage here? So Perea, I think, is Perea can be – if Perea can afford to just be himself, Izzy, I think, is going to have to adjust. Perea's going to move forward, try to get that left, that left hook to land, mixing his kick, mixing his combination – and Izzy's either going to have to be exponentially more himself on his bike, moving around, controlling distance, or throw a complete curveball that Ox Behead. Like, shoot a takedown for the first time. Try to be on top for the very first time and see just how green Behead is, mixed martial arts game is versus his kickboxing game. So, um, that, that doesn't mean Izzy can't win. Um, I, I honestly, I'm not confident in picking either way, but I do know that if they both just fight normally like themselves, Beheader should win, but Izzy has more alternatives. All right, now we're going to move on to the women's strawweight title fight. Carla Esparza, the champ versus Zhang Lee. I mean, I already know where I'm leaning for this, but give me, give, I don't know. I'm not trying to tell you to make, make the case for Carla Esparza, but I really do think that she's the champion and she's an underdog here. Yeah, big one. I think Lee's like a minus 350 or something like that when the last time I looked at the line. And uh, my co-host is serious, Dean Thomas. He's like, yeah, you can make Lee at minus 600. I'd still put my money on Whaley. Uh <laughs> Carla Esparza got this, got the belt the second time, and props to her. She was the very first. She's the inaugural women's starlight champion. Uh, she's champion now almost a decade later, um, and she and she earned it, right? She beat Rose Namajunas, but the stars had to align for her to beat Rose. Like Rose was so deathly afraid to strike with Carla Esparza. Carla got just enough takedown, just enough top time to sway a couple judges that she won that fight. This is going to be so hard against one of the most physical specimens in the division, Whaley. I mean, Whaley can, can knock you out. She can wrestle. There's this viral video of her going around picking up Francis and going mm-hmm. to the champion and carrying around. I mean, she's such a specimen that it's for Carla to be able to put together, like, all right, let me just be on top for three or five rounds and win a decision. That only works when you're definitely afraid of that from Carlos Barza. If you're so afraid of that and you can be less standing, I can't imagine Whaley being afraid of anything Carlos Barza does. I don't think she's afraid she can get taken down. I don't think she's afraid if she better get taken down, she can't get up. So Whaley can be the aggressive striker that she's, that she's known to be um, without really fear of repercussions. I don't think she's afraid of Carlos Barza striking at all. This is one of those matches. I mean, she was all smiles at the presser yesterday when he was. And with good reason. I think she's already counting her money from the one person. Hey, I'm right there with you. I mean, you never want to doubt out a champion, but, man, 
Jay Lee, I mean, she's she's got it. Like you said, Dean Thomas said hey, if she was minus 600, he'd put his money on her. All right, so we're just going to move on to the lightweight fight, Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler. Now, for these two guys, they're both getting up there in age where they need to get this next fight. You don't want to be coming off of two losses in a row. I mean, not, excuse me, not two losses in a row. Dustin Poirier, that would be for him. But Michael Chandler coming off arguably the knockout of the year over Tony Ferguson. But if the winner of this fight could be arguably the number one contender at lightweight. Yeah, before Islam Akhachev beat Charles Oliveira uh, in Abu Dhabi, this was just like a cool, violent fight. Not a lot of, you know, uh, divisional repercussions, no title fight on the line or anything like that. It's just an awesome matchup between two guys that have been putting on multiple fights of the night. And then once Makachev beat Oliveira, now all those other stars at 155 are now potentially one great performance away from a title shot. These two guys, Justin Gaethje, who's also in there, poor Benil Dariush is going to need an eight-fight win, she's need like a 12-fight win by the time they get the title shot. Um, <laughs> and so now all these like fun, like violence matchups now have divisional repercussions. I also love this fight because it rounds out the quartet of Charles Oliveira, Justin Gaethje, Justin Poirier, Michael Chandler. After this fight, they all four would have fought each other in their primes, all in fight of the night. So this is like a night, it's just such a beautiful fight with so many ways. And now that there's a new champion in 155, there's even divisional repercussions. Man, I like how you put that there, like this quartet, like these guys all having to fight each other, where this division, it's stacked from the top. You mentioned Darius, where, hey, man, he got the win in Abu Dhabi. The speech that he gave after, I was like, ooh, that's a little dangerous in Abu Dhabi. But maybe he should be the number one contender at lightweight. So what do you think is going to be next for Islam? Do you see that? Do you think that the super fight with Volkanovski is actually going to happen? I hope not, and not that I don't love Volkanovski. I think Volkanovski, Volkanovski the featherweight champion, the pound-for-pound best fighter on earth. His last performance is not Max Hall, who's not only Demetrius Johnson, just systematically piecing apart a pound-for-pound great. I, I, just, I just don't like having two champions put together and, and, and put together in one fight. Like, yes, would Volkanovski versus Nikachev be an awesome fight? Yes. But would it be better than Volkanovski versus Josh Emmett and Makachev versus Benil Dariush or Makachev versus the winner of Poirier Chandler? No, I'd rather have those two fights on the same card than just have Islam fight, Islam fight Volkanovski. So with that out of the way, I, I think the UFC is waiting to see the results of Poirier versus Chandler on Saturday to see if that's where they're going to go with it. That fight's kind of lackluster or split decision. Um, maybe the UFC is a little bit more inclined to do Makachev versus Volkanovski in Perth, Australia. That's coming up in February. Um, if they do, if one of these guys that like, completely dazzles, maybe do some things. Okay, let's do you know Poirier versus Makachev. Now it's a fresh matchup. Poirier's a proven draw. He beat Conor McGregor twice. He got that shine. He can sell you know high six figure pay per views. Um, that the if the UFC is in a good position because they got a lot of options depending where they're going to go after Saturday night. All right, and then let's keep talking about this fight, Poirier Chandler, because Chandler is one of those exciting fighters where it's either he's going to get you or you're going to get him. But Dustin Poirier has been in those five-round fights. He's been in battles, championship fights. So who do you give the edge to here in this fight? The, the standard way of thinking on this fight, I'm with uh, Chandler early, Poirier late. Now, it is a three-rounder. It's not title to fight, not main event. So that, that benefits Chandler in a way because Chandler does gas out. He has been known to get tired. Um, but he's just so powerful early. He's a better, like, pure athlete. He's got the better pure power. He's got the faster hands. Um, but Poirier's been in there. Like, Poirier, and Poirier has been caught early. He's been knocked out in the first round twice, once by Michael Johnson, once by Conor McGregor. But the more this fight drags on, the more Dustin's body work pays off, the more Dustin's savvy pays off, the more Dustin's more polished striking pays off. 
So if, if Dustin can get out of the first round more or less unscathed, I like his chances the rest of the fight. All right, another fight that I wanted to touch on, Frankie Edgar, Chris Gutierrez. Frankie Edgar, he's one of the legends in the UFC Going back to beating prime BJ Penn, I know that this is going to be his last fight in the organization, but just speak about the legacy of Frankie Edgar in the UFC. So John Anik was asked about this at the press conference yesterday, UFC play-by-play guy, um, recently re-signed the UFC. Congratulations, John Anik. Um, and he was asked this very question, and he said, hey, can you put Frankie Edgar's you know, legacy in the context? And Anik said something very poignant. I don't know if I agree or not, but he made, he made me think for the last like 24 hours. He said, Chuck Liddell was the standard for the most popular American fighter in UFC history, and Frankie Edgar surpassed him. Now, I don't know if that's true, but it's pretty darn close to true, if not true. Uh, you will not find anybody that dislikes Frankie Edgar, not just what he's done, but how he did it. Fighting two way classes up for the bulk of his career, those comebacks against Gray Maynard, becoming champion, beating BJ Penn twice, um, just absolutely beloved. And he's from Tom's River, New Jersey, not far away from Madison Square Garden, so that's going to be. Absolutely for Frankie Edgar and for Chris Gutierrez, his opponent, who's fine fighter, good guy. He would be booed relentlessly because Frankie Edgar is making that walk in on some turf. All right, again, we're talking to R.J. Clifford here on the fight game. Only a few more questions for you. Now, that's really the top of the card, the main fights that we're, most people are going to be looking at. But is there something on the prelims that maybe we should be on the lookout for that maybe people are sleeping on? So Molly McCann has um, turned herself into a giant fan favorite in mixed martial arts. This card's so good, she's kind of getting buried. Like she's normally, she's not really getting talked about. Her last few fights have been in England, uh, in London, and of course, the place goes goes nuts for their country woman, the Scouser. Uh, and she's a sizable underdog. She's like a like a minus, uh, like a plus three fifty underdog in her matchup. So um, this is that, that's not what the UFC does with their burgeoning stars, right? They want them to be, you know, to win fights. They want them to look good. They want them to up and she's coming out back to back spinning uh, spinning elbow knockout. So uh, she's an interesting point, an interesting place in her UFC career when she's at her most popular, but in her toughest matchup. So something to follow. All right, RJ, you also have the podcast, The Autumn Windbags. I'm a part of Raider Nation Radio. Darren Waller announced today that he's going to be placed on IR with a hamstring injury. Uh, how do you feel about this Raider season so far? Well, I, I, I just felt before I got on with you, Hunter Renfro's on IR too. So you've got a Pro Bowl tight end, Pro Bowl slot receiver, both on IR. Josh Jacobs kind of floundering. Uh, Devontae Adams can't put together two good halves together. Derek Carr can't put together two good halves together. Indy cannot come fast enough. Thank God, no matter what's going on in Raider Nation, it's even worse in Indianapolis. Let's just hope Jeff Saturday's uh, a better, better analyzer than he is a head coach. We desperately need a couple of freebies if we're going to have it. If Josh, Josh McDaniels should lose his job before he gets on the bus, if we lose the Indy, no matter who is on IR, if we lose the Indy, Colts. There's no bus to get on. It's a home game, so it'll just be, hey, man, just give us your badge for the building. They should put him on a regular city bus to his home. Then he's not allowed to drive home anymore. All right, RJ, man, I'm going to let you go there, man. Autumn Winbacks podcast, I mean, Sirius XM, you work for the UFC. Anything else that you got going on that people need to know about? Oh, man, I just recently broke the record on the uh, NBA Jam Arcade game in my house. And that's the big exciting stuff going on in my life. I mean, if you want to invite me over and, like, I'll just beat you. I don't care who you want to use. I feel like I'm so good at NBA Jam, and it's really just something that I don't get to talk about enough. Oh, I have a whole strategy with Stockton and Malone. Uh, I'm not going to tell it to you, but like, I, I broke <laughs> every defensive record on that thing with Stockton and Malone. These jazz, the jazz at the time had it kind of going on. You know what? You just, you just... 
bored me by even saying that Stockton and Malone, it's, ah, oh, man, you know what? I thought we could be friends, but that's your that's your strategy? That's your go-to? Stockton and Malone? Boring. Yeah, Stockton just comes <laughs> up, and you know how, like, when, when you're on defense, they just do, like, they do the squat, and, like, they start slapping hands, steals the ball, and then NBA Jam, there's a trigger where there's no goaltending as long as the ball touches something, so I, I'm able to time it where Malone can jump up, and if it's a bank shot or if it's, like, going around the rim, Malone can pull it right off before it scores. Oh, yeah. I'm unscorable on those. <laughs> Sounds like you're cheating, but RJ, thank you for joining me here on the fight game. Anytime. All right, and that was RJ Clifford. I mean, got some NBA Jam strategy talk, a preview of UFC 281. I mean, what more do you want? And we're going to come back with a few good minutes here on the fight game on 1230 The Game. Welcome back to the fight game, and we're going to wrap it up with a few good minutes. Recently, ESPN's Marty Smith, good old Marty, he broke the Guinness World Record for the longest cornhole shot ever made, and I knew that Danny Smythe was going to have some words about it. Now, Danny, this was a 76-foot shot. Do you think you could break it? I think so. I, I mean, it's only it's only 25, just over 25 yards. I think it's, like I was saying before we went on air, it's... It, Distance doesn't matter. It's all about the motion. If you have the right mechanics, you can get it there. So, you, oh, okay. So, I'm obviously, you know your cornhole, but do you think you could do it? Do you think you have that skill? I knew that this is you were the perfect guy to go to because, hey, Danny's a jack of all trades. Listen, I need three different beers so that I can hold one in my hand, have a test throw, see how I do, try the other beer, another test throw, <laughs> and then a third beer. Final test throw, and then I'll know which one that I'm setting the record with. So, um, are these canned? Or are these bottled? What be? What's your beer of choice when you know playing cornhole? Um, I will. I'll probably go with cans because I don't want the bottle to. Even though I use a koozie ninety nine percent of the time when I'm drinking beers, and by the way, I have a phenomenal koozie collection. I don't want to risk possibly <laughs> dropping the bottle and it breaks, so I go with cans. All right, and he had an official adjudicator there and everything. Call him up. Call him up. Call, we'll call go. up Guinness. Let's go. You can we'll do go it. Back to Pahrump, and we'll do it on Pahrump's football field. <laughs> the one time that alcohol is allowed on a school campus. Let's do it. All right. You know what? We're going to make that happen, Danny. That's all we got time for for a few good minutes today. Again, thank you to the UFC for providing Michael Chandler, Dustin Poirier. They're going to be going head-to-head at UFC 281 this Saturday in Madison Square Garden. Thank you to RJ Clifford from SiriusXM for joining me on the show and breaking it all down for me, putting it into context. Israel Adesanya, Alex Perea. I mean, we both had different pronunciation on it, and I still do not know how to pronounce the guy's name, but he's the silent walking nightmare of Israel Adesanya, UFC 281. You don't want to miss it. Thank you for listening. This has been The Fight Game on 1230 The Game. Stay safe and protect yourself at all times, everybody.